Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People don't want to leave. The old man, over uh, 60, told me, I don't want to leave. It's my hometown. Give me weapons, please. I want to defend my city. The Russian soldier actually right now have bad mood and so many, so many people understand the senseless war. That's Mayor Klitschko there in Kiev, former heavyweight champion of the world, who's now the mayor and fighting for his life, asking for more weapons, saying, hey, we want to fight. We're willing to fight. We just need more weapons. Yeah, and and you know what's funny? Uh, just as an aside, I realized you have to when you're hearing somebody speak in their non-native language, and his English is way better than my Ukrainian. Um, you have to almost translate it into much more intelligent than it sounds. Right. You don't want to make the assumption. Listen, that Russian soldiers in bad mood. What is that? No, you have to understand. He's trying to communicate the morale of the Russian conscripts is awful. And so the resistance is paying many more dividends than you might think, because every bit of resistance is multiplied by their terrible morale is what he was trying to communicate. Yeah. One of the things they got going for him is there is a chance that the Russians give up. There is a chance that there's just like a mass revolt on this thing. Don't you think? I don't think it's a great chance. I, I would love it to be true. I don't know. I think when your uh, superior officers have guns pointed at you, you fight. At least for a while. That's the history of the world, yeah. Um, so yesterday in Russia, during one of the Russian TV broadcasts, this is one of the state broadcasts where the newscasters tell you what Putin wants you to hear and nothing else, and millions and millions and millions of people across this giant country watch it because... There ain't many other choices. So you got the pretty Russian girl on there reading the news, and it looks just like your evening newscast. Uh, And then a woman runs behind her with a big sign, who is also a newscaster there. And um, she she basically crashed the the broadcast, and she wanted to let people know that there was a genocide going on in Ukraine, and that you're being lied to. Now, this woman has since disappeared, which is a pretty... Awful story, and nobody knows where she is. Uh, she's probably dead or being tortured, and most likely you'll never see the light of day ever again. A day after she burst into a live news broadcast on Russian state television, we have the video, by the way, at armstrongandgetty.com. A day after she burst onto the set of the newscast holding a sign denouncing the war in Ukraine, lawyers with the Human Rights Group told the Washington Post they're unable to locate producer Marina, I can't pronounce her last name, about 12 hours after she was detained. And the government, yeah. the government doesn't say when, where you went on these kind of stories. Uh, and then she put out this statement. Unfortunately, I've been working at Channel One during recent years, working on Kremlin propaganda. And now I am very ashamed. I am ashamed that I allowed the lies to be said on the TV screens. I'm ashamed that I let the Russian people be zombified. That's a good word. She ended with a call to action, alluding to the high price of dissent in Russia. It's only in our power to stop this madness. Take to the streets. Do not be afraid. They can't jail us all, which is true. Wow. That's courage. So she ran on to, I'd say so. Yeah, she is literally risking her life. 
I mean, you could contrast that with our our little activist types on the most liberal university campuses in the world uh, protesting something that everybody is against there anyway, acting like they're brave gorillas. And then you have this woman. She was fully cognizant of what awaited her when she did what she did. I guarantee it. Standing behind the person broadcasting the news, she held up a poster with a mix of English and Russian spelling a forbidden message. No war. Stop the war. Don't believe the propaganda. They are lying to you here. The woman remained on screen for several seconds before the program abruptly cut away. Yeah, that was a very brave move. You hope there's a lot more of that, a lot more cracks in the um, hold that Russia has on uh, the population that they create through fear um as uh uh ian bremer tweeted out a poll over the weekend the older crowd which is two-thirds of the population believes what they're seeing on the news because that's where they get their news the younger crowd which is much smaller percentage of the population knows what's going on well and it's significant that the younger crowd is much more plugged into international media via the internet uh, social media that sort of thing they've received uh, you know many more inputs a much wider variety of inputs through the last you know 10 years especially than the older folks who just sit there uh, in their their worn out soviet era chairs watching their worn out soviet era TVs and just you know sucking up the propaganda just will it achieve critical mass right putin wants as much you know as much as he's wanted anything to be able to get in front of that wave and crush it um it's it's such a hard call to know whether he'll be successful or not um whether you know the young russian people can continue to get input from uh, from outside including from ukraine uh, have you heard anything about elon musk's skylink uh, internet service is that up and running yet any progress not since yesterday i have not okay. you know anything about it michael no just that it was delivered yeah well i i hope that they're able to get it up in the air i don't know how these supplies are still getting in we should ask one of our military experts about that how are they getting this stuff in so there is some belief that that blast from putin uh, at the military base 10 miles from Poland was was his message that, hey, I'm going to start, you know, attacking these supply lines. These are an act of war. And that was an attempt to uh, a brushback pitch or he thought he was going to intercept some supply lines with that strike. I don't know. And I don't know if that's going to have any effect on the West's effort to get in missiles that can bring down planes or tanks or food or water or any of that stuff. Well, the West will certainly have to adjust their sales. The uh, and that 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 area that that Western Ukraine border with Poland that is where the World War will begin if it begins. Because you think about it, Russia needs to control that border to stop the inflow of arms and men and and everything else, food and medicine, water, just everything the Ukrainians need. But you can't control a border uh, in 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 a time of war. Unless you deploy, you know, huge numbers of troops there um, and you are willing to engage and and you can't necessarily. Well, you can't always wait till somebody comes across the border to engage them and you'll start shooting back and forth. And then somebody gets shot on Poland, uh, Polish soil, and then it's on. Then NATO invokes uh, Article 5 and, and, and everything goes crazy. So how far does Putin go in trying to shore up his defenses in the West close to the border? Everybody throws around the term World War III. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is. If it ended up, you know, if, if the war starts there on the border and it's only Russia, I don't know if that's World War III. 
if because China's going to have to make a decision. I'm looking up at the TV. U.S. sends more warnings to China to stay out of this. Quit, quit, you know, don't back Russia. If China, China would have to make a decision at that point. If NATO does take on Russia, are we going to fight on the side of Russia? or Are we going to stay on the sidelines? They fight on the side of Russia. Clearly, beyond a doubt. No question, it's World War III. But if they stay on the sidelines, it's a whole bunch of countries against Russia. Knowing what I know about China's goals and where they are in their 100-year marathon, it would be a bizarre decision to to start that up. I think so, too. hope we're right. I mean, it'd be economic suicide precisely when they can't do that. They're so near their goals of being a, 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 a second pole with the United States in terms of being superpowers. They, it would be economic suicide. The great divorce from China, the, the decoupling, which we've been talking about, which will take decades and decades and painful separations and, and corporate profits taking a hit and, and declining standards of living, blah, 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 blah. All of that stuff, it'll be over bingo in about six months if they side with the Russians and, and it gets double ugly. I just, I can't imagine Chairman Xi and the Chinese making that decision. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I can't imagine Hitler declaring war on the United States because they were attacked by the Japanese either, but he did. Yeah, but they had a, a you know, a, a, a treaty of mutual defense, and I realize Russia and China just signed that, like, 5,000-word uh, we're best of buddies pact, but... I don't think there's any chance in hell that uh, China was looking for a military confrontation at this point. Hitler was, absolutely, and the Japanese were. But you wouldn't China think isn't. so. You wouldn't think so. I've got more coming up later on uh, nose jobs, veneers, boob jobs, hair colorings, etc. that people are getting ready to do as they're about to come back to work. I guess the feeling is that in April or whenever, lots of people are going to start coming back into the workplace. I don't know why. I don't know why now, why not last month, why not today, but I just think I'm gonna go with your strategy of shapewear. I think that's more practical. <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly it's less expensive. A lot easier. Oh, that's right. And I also have the reality for the foreign fighters who are going to join the fight in Ukraine, uh, what actually happens? It's uh it's interesting. I'll bet. Uh we got a lot on the way. Stay with us. Uh if you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at Armstrongandgetty.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Alex did dig up an update on uh, Elon Musk's Starlink app to get internet into Ukraine. Have that for you in just a second. Pretty good work from a guy who's wearing a tuxedo t-shirt today. Mm. Look, if you're allowed to wear a suit every day, I'm allowed to dress up as well. Okay? I'm, wearing, I'm wearing an actual suit. He's wearing a tuxedo t-shirt, which is... I oh. was fooled. I thought it was an actual tux. Very oh, impressive. Always funny. <laughs> you say potato, I say potato. Yeah. It's simple. All right, turn off his microphone. Turn it off! found this story so interesting. Uh, it begins with a Frenchman of Ukrainian descent. His grandfather was a hero in, in aiding the, uh, the, the people of... Uh, the Chernobyl disaster, he's got a strong sense of duty to Ukraine, uh, but he lives in France at this point. Uh, he actually served in the French military, an intelligence officer for a light cavalry regiment uh, deployed to Lebanon and Mali. The guy knows the realities of war. 
And so when all of this broke out, he, like so many foreigners, decided they were going to go to Ukraine and help out. Um, he says, the main thing I thought is I can't just stay without doing anything. I have to do something. I didn't know exactly what, but one option was the military because I have the military background. So he became one of those foreign fighters flooding the battlefields of Ukraine. Uh, and then, then it turns interesting. Recruits enter a dangerous gray area once they take up arms in defense of Ukraine. Many join without the support of their home countries. The Russians have announced foreign fighters will not be considered combatants, removing certain protections afforded to prisoners of war and mm. potentially exposing them to criminal prosecution in Russia. Yeah, and I'm not sure you get those whether you're Ukrainian or not. And then several people across the border uh, told the Washington Times that foreign recruits are told to sign a contract obligating them to serve until the end of the war. Now, that's interesting. And faced with the reality of being bound to a country embroiled in a war with no clear end in sight, maybe decades, some have returned home, others have stayed but vowed to fight on their own terms. Um, I'll shoot Russians, but I ain't signing that, Yeah, in other words. Exactly. Yeah, I saw some people interviewed over the weekend. There was a guy, a a cop somewhere in the United States, quit his job and went over there to fight. I mean, he was seeing all the weapons showing up, you know, and they're trying to train up a lot of those Ukrainian men on how to fire an AK-47 or shoot a stinger missile or all this stuff. And this guy thought said, I know how to do all that stuff. I'll go over there and I can do it right now. So here's the actual process. This guy whose name is uh, Kastner Kizilenko, I'll just call him Kastner for time savings, said he contacted the Ukrainian embassy in Berlin uh, just days after the invasion. Uh, uh, Legion gave little information about how to join other than a website. After several unanswered emails and calls, he simply crossed into Ukraine and volunteered. Once in Lviv, western city that's emerged as the organizational and supply hub for the resistance, he showed up unannounced to recruiting centers and waited for callbacks. On several occasions, he said he was accused of being a spy. He noted his lack of accent when he spoke Russian, and he traveled to Lviv with a bag full of military equipment. After days of back and forth, he began a series of interviews with military officials in Lviv. He said he was eventually taken to a military training base in Yavoriv, less than 15 miles from the border. When he arrived, he was led to a tent where foreigners were given a brief screening before signing a contract obligating them to stay until the completion of the war. Those who sign are given gear and begin training in units. Uh, he said the contract came as a surprise. He said, I love the romanticism, the idea of fighting for the Russians for the fate of Ukrainians. It's a really nice story, but it's a nice story in a movie. The consequences of that in real life are just too much. He realized that if he was obligated, he'd throw away years of work he'd poured into his business. He'd miss his own wedding. Mm. He says, it's not the fear of being hurt or killed in Ukraine. It's the fear of being stuck in Ukraine without being able to transition back home. So he parted ways amicably and said he'll help Ukraine in more practical ways any way he can. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a feature over the weekend, all kinds of Brits, Australians, Americans, Canadians. I don't know if they were just focusing on people that spoke English, but a lot of people that were pouring in, into the country that are willing to fight. Oh, this one Brit who wouldn't sign the contract but stayed to fight anyway said, a lot of the guys we met on the bus who were going into the International Brigade seemed like absolute choppers. Now, I don't know that term, but it's clear from context. They had no idea what they were doing. Big, fat blokes who were like 50 years old. Blokes who'd been in the Army but 20 years ago. It's just mad. It's crazy. Well, they could use anybody. So Elon Musk has got this Starlink satellite thing where you can get Internet service. If he puts a satellite over you, you got Internet all of a sudden. You just download the app. And he sent a whole bunch of them to Ukraine because he can afford to do that. 
And he also sent a whole bunch of the Tesla battery storage systems to run the darn things. And they put them up. And now the app has been downloaded almost 100,000 times in Ukraine with global downloads tripling in just the last two weeks to try to make sure that they still have access to information there in Ukraine. Uh, He did point out that the Starlink is the only non-Russian communication system still working in some parts of Ukraine, so it's probably going to be targeted by Russia at some point, or they're at least going to attempt to do it. Musk said, please use with caution. He asked users of the... Well, he asked users to turn on Starlink only when needed and place the antenna as far away from people as possible and place light camouflage over the antenna to avoid visual detection. Hmm. So, I don't know a lot about that. but Yeah, presumably the Russians can sniff out the signals and figure out... Uh, because Putin wants desperately for no news to get out of Ukraine. Sure. Oh, and he certainly doesn't like the news of Russian soldiers surrendering and going on TV to, to, to say, I'm sorry, I didn't know what we were doing. Or that incredibly sad and, and moving uh, picture-slash-video of the pregnant lady who died and lost her child because of indiscriminate Russian bombing. He's not super hot on that sort of thing getting out, and the Ukrainians need all that stuff to get out to, you know, as quickly as possible. New Simpsons episode that takes on cancel culture that sounds pretty entertaining. There's a new Axios-Ipsos poll about Americans' attitudes toward COVID right now. That is pretty interesting. I actually saw that Simpsons episode. It was very, very Oh, good. really? Yeah, awesome. it's hilarious. I want to hear about it. Uh, all on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Miss an hour? Grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uber just announced that customers will pay an additional charge to help its drivers offset high gas prices. Yeah, Uber's adding a surcharge for gas. You know it's bad when the driver shows up on foot and says, let's take your car. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was going to talk about gas at some point. I was looking at the adjusted for inflation numbers where it's been pretty flat for like our whole lives. Actually ticking down since the 70s slightly. We, we react, we all do, it's just something about the way our brains work emotionally to gas prices, and uh, round numbers matter a lot, like five is way more than 470. I mean, it's way more than 30 cents more than 470. It's something about it, the fact that it starts with a five. I mean, it just the way it affects us, you know? Sure, get your attention, yeah. Also, the other thing we, we none of us do is is look at the difference from what we were perfectly comfortable with now so we we take the total number well i got a 20 gallon tank it's five dollars a gallon that's a hundred dollars now how upset were you when you were paying 450 so, say say 50 or oh, the 30 cents less two weeks ago and you weren't upset at all no i disagree i you gotta stop think? you right there i think people were really feeling pressured by the price of gas in california not a day goes by i don't hear somebody bring it up well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so how far back do you want to go? I'm telling you, you got to, but you got to look at the difference from what you were comfortable with to now, not the total, right? Well, so, but see, that's where I dis- dif- disagree with you. I think six months ago, a year ago, people were not comfortable at all. They bitch constantly about the price of gas, especially in blue states. Well, I know. Yeah. So they've gone from very uncomfortable to extremely uncomfortable. Okay. Well, I, I'm assuming the rest of the country is not as uncomfortable, just people that I talk to because their gas is so much cheaper than mine. 
I can't use California as a standard for the whole country because it's so much different. But like the people that are drilling into the gas tanks of cars <laughs> to try to get it into a bucket and then you're going to sell it or whatever you're going to do with it. So that wasn't a good idea when you were going to, you know, 30 cents ago, but it is a good idea now. And you stole 10 gallons. OK, so you've 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 made a three dollar profit on your new plan. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> Um, and again, as long as there is, I was in a line yesterday, as long as there are lines 20 cars long to pay three and a half dollars for a cup of coffee, I'll wonder how tough the gas prices are on people. What's Starbucks coffee per gallon? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a price that now that's a price you should pay attention to. <laughs> Well, I do, as you know. I make my coffee at home for pennies. I'm very thrifty. Maybe I'll get to this at some point, too. USA Today has the reasons people quit. We got more people quitting their jobs than ever in the history of capitalism. Why did people quit? But first, this, a new poll out on Americans' attitudes toward COVID. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, Joe and I are way further down the road than uh, most people are as I'm looking at these numbers. Uh, You know, to each their own. Um. I'll start up here at the top. Well, this is the best number. The the highest number since May of 2020. So so basically since the COVID started. Right now, 83... Uh, Joe says give the number last. What percentage of respondents describe their physical health as good? It's 83%. And emotional well-being is good. 84%. Those are the highest numbers since May of 2020. So people feeling good emotionally and mentally... Is at the highest in two years, almost. Not surprised. Since the whole thing basically started. Three quarters of people say the country is moving toward a time when COVID won't interrupt their daily life. That's up 10 points in a month. So 25% or so won't say we're moving toward that? Right. On a lot of these, I flip them upside down just like you did and think, wow, there's a... Um. So you'd maintain you 25% or so that, oh, no, no, we're clearly just going to be dealing with this for the rest of our lives, interrupting our day-to-day life, right? Wasn't that the phrase? Yeah. What's the matter with you? Are you crazy? One in three people say they've returned to normal life, a survey high. Only one in three have returned to normal life. I feel like I've been living my regular life for a very long time. Now, I don't know, does that include like when they made me put on a mask here at work up until a couple of weeks ago? I suppose that's not normal, but that's only because somebody made me. Yeah, tough to interpret. I mean, if your kids are still having to stupidly wear masks at school, maybe that's what they're talking about. uh, So life's not normal yet. Fair enough. Uh, Two-thirds of respondents favor federal, state, and local governments lifting all COVID restrictions. Two-thirds of Americans Hmm. want federal, state, and local to lift all COVID restrictions. I'm encouraged by that. And that's up 20 points in a month. Wow, really? Yeah, so it's gone from 44 to 64 in a month. America is waking up. Three and four said they'd go back to masking if infections increase again where they live. Yeah, hey, government, did you hear that? You see, if the COVID came back really strong, we would just put on masks again because that's the smart thing to do. Don't really need you to force us into anything. Johns Hopkins met a study that was the main takeaway. What had the 
biggest effect were sensible precautions people took on their own because it made sense to protect themselves, not because Anthony freaking Fauci or or Gavin Mussolini or some local health Nazi like Barbara Ferrer in uh, Los Angeles told them to. It's because they're sensible adults. They're uh, practicing the rights as Americans. I don't know what it's like where you lived, but to give you an idea... Only 27% said state or local government mask mandates are still in place where they live. It is where I live, but only a quarter of Americans are in a place where you've still got that. That's down uh, 10 points since the beginning of February uh, and 20 points since the beginning of the year. So they're dropping off little by little. I, I, uh, I live someplace where we will proudly wear masks until 2030, is my guess. Um, I was, uh, went into a store yesterday, and uh, it was mask mandatory. Wow. And I said, uh, that's okay. And I went down to the block where they sold the exact same thing without a mask, and I bought it there. Way to go. Uh, I just, why? Why not throw on the mask? Because I don't want to promote the hysteria. You're being hysterical. I don't want to mm-hmm. promote witch hunts. I think it leads to more kids having to wear masks, more people not getting to go to work, all kinds of crazy stuff that affects people. So no, I'm not playing into your weird... We wear masks here at our business. All right, go ahead, but I'm not spending any money there. Well, and in a really interesting twist, the liberal Atlantic just gave a two-fisted beating to the policies on young kids wearing masks in schools. A two-fisted beating. And and I want to I want to share that with you cuz the idea of preschoolers kindergartners wearing masks is an obscenity. But first some good news from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security, the best home security system you can get. Now US News, PC Magazine and Popular Science have all said, "Yep, this is your best choice consumers in their articles about home security." Simply Safe. It's fabulous. Simply Safe protects your whole home around the clock, every door, window, and room, cameras, sensors, uh, monitors. It's really good, but it's it's less expensive and simpler. Less than a dollar a day. You set it up yourself in around 30 minutes. How simple is that? It's simple to use. I have known many people, like, spend a night at their house, and I see them wrestling with their security system, and they go, ah, forget it. <laughs> Because it's just too many screens, too many menus, and then you leave it on, and somebody the, the thing goes off, and no, it's simple to use. It works really well. Never a long term contract. You can even try it for sixty days risk free to see if you like it with Simply Safe. Yep, really nice people too. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/armstrong. I really recommend the wireless outdoor camera so you always know what's happening at your front door. It gives you alerts on your phone. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera too, plus twenty percent off and. On interactive monitoring, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. One more thing on the uh, the mask thing, just because I'm so tired of hearing about it and talking about it. I can't believe it is even still a thing. But, well, when, uh, when do I get to swing my mighty fists of justice? The, <laughs> the, the owner of the business that I left m- m- might say to me, now maybe he's, you know, uh, a COVID paranoiac. I don't know. But he also might say to me, look, uh, I lose your business because I make you wear a mask. I lose 10 people today if we're not wearing masks in here because of the way people are in this town. So that's my business decision, which I get. Yeah. Yep. It might be as, as practical as that. So, uh, again, this is from The Atlantic. Who is writing this? Uh, Emily Oster. Um, and she's talking about the insane policy, her words, of... The CDC guidelines recommending universal indoor masking on early childhood education programs for those ages two and older. I'm chuckling 
because it's so absurd. Accordingly, in New York City and elsewhere, kids in kindergarten and above may attend school maskless, but kids in pre-K and below may not. Wow. What's the theory there? Well, she goes into the various stats. She's trying to figure out where it comes from. Uh, The hospitalization rate for kids up to age five is higher than older groups, but that's almost entirely kids younger than one, babies, infants who get the COVID and don't do very well with it. Uh, second argument is that the under five cohort are ineligible for vaccines. That's true, but the dropping of mandates for older kids is not typically dependent on vaccination rates or individual vaccination status. In New York, less than half of the five to 11 group is vaccinated. An unvaccinated five-year-old girl can attend school without a mask, but her unvaccinated three-year-old sister cannot. Officials, official policies that treat toddlers differently from older kids are, to put it mildly, puzzling. Moreover, then she gets to the obvious freaking point. Kids that young can't wear masks effectively and never have been able to, never will. And there are virtually zero countries on Earth that do this. Only the United States. They guffaw at the idea of three-year-olds in masks in Europe. Virtually every single European country considers it mockable, idiotic, and yet we're doing it. A number of summer activities for my kids that I've looked into are vaccine mandatory. Your kid can't participate unless they get vaccinated. My kids aren't vaccinated, at least not yet. But they have to be vaccinated if they want to go to this camp or that camp. You know, she makes one more point, and I'm going to squeeze it in. A final point is that although we do not have good evidence on the downsides of masking yet, any negative effects are likely to be concentrated in younger children who are learning to speak and interpret emotional clues. The possible costs of continued mask wearing may be the largest for the very cohort still subject to mandates. The continued masking of toddlers as we unmask everyone else is not justifiable. The group is at exceedingly low risk of serious disease and may well be at a higher risk relative older kids of adverse consequences. Some policies make sense, some do not. This is one of the latter. I saw what my dry cleaner looked like for the first time in two years. It's just so weird for your brain, so I can't imagine what it does to kids. I have to say, you're the same person I've been talking to once a week for two years. I'll be darned, because... My mind had filled in what they look like, right? It's just the way your brain works. You yeah, look it's like you have to different. go in and update profile. Yeah, it's just <laughs> weird. Imagine if you're a kid and it's your friend or your teacher. Oh, poor kids. What are we doing to them? I. Uh, we're going to talk to Jeff McCausland. He's a military analyst we like to kick off hour three. Talk a little Ukraine, obviously. Why did people quit their jobs? Or why are people quitting their jobs during the great resignation or the big quit, as they call it? Survey on that. Bunch of stuff on the way. I mean, it's all sounds so damned entertaining. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Homer Simpson. And I'm truly sorry. Sorry if you pee-pee babies were offended by something that was no big deal and everything's fine, so what's the issue? Amazing job. You really got his voice down. Okay, Homer, I think you've made your point. 
I'm sorry that you don't have enough things to get mad at. I'm sorry that you all have skin thinner than gas station toilet paper. And I'm sorry that your lives are so boring that you take a man who left his rescue dog for two minutes to buy him organic ice cream from a woman-owned local business, and you crucify him! Ah. Ow, my dog's eye! Oh, boy. There's a callback. you got to be a long-time Simpsons fan to get that joke. You're laughing, Joe, but this Simpsons episode is dividing critics. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. Yes, I, I happened to watch it uh, Sunday night. It was fantastic. After Funny. spoofing controversial podcast host Joe Rogan and a new episode satirizing cancel culture, in episode 14 of season 33, season 33, and it's not like Dancing in the Stars where they do four seasons a year. That's one season per year. 33 years. Uh, the title of the episode is You Won't Believe What This Episode Is About. Act 3 Will Shock You. <laughs> Homer is erroneously blamed for leaving the family dog in a hot car, resulting in him getting publicly shamed. Newsweek reported. Or Joe could report by just having watched it. Accurate so far, Jack. Back to you. Things go off the rails when the Simpsons patriarch, that's Homer, tries to apologize and inadvertently knocks Reverend Lovejoy out a window. Videos subsequently go viral on social media, causing Homer to lose his job and become ostracized by his friends, co-workers, and family. Eventually, Homer meets up with a Joe Rogan character, um, uh, represented by a generic right-wing podcast host, who is the only one willing to meet with Homer following the cancellation. Needless to say, the gag rang hollow with many critics. Deeming that scene is roughly six seconds long. Well, it rang hollow with critics, Joe. Oh, STFU. <laughs> Deeming it bizarrely misguided and self-contradictory. Particularly problematic was the fact that Homer was undeserving of his excommunication, presumably unlike many so-called victims of cancel culture. It goes through the whole... Uh, Joe Rogan thing and what happened there. You know, there's a great deal that could be debated about that couple of sentences you just uh, shared with us, but one one is beyond debate. These people have zero sense of humor. None whatsoever. They are the most self-righteous, rigid little prigs who've walked the earth since the days of the Salem witch hunts. Oh, I hold you people in contempt. Contempt, I tell you. <laughs> um... <laughs> um, I'll have to check that out. Uh, uh, Jeff McCausland? Is that his first name for some reason? Yes, indeed. Jeff McCausland. Fabulous CBS uh, news correspondent. Going to share the latest from Ukraine with us. Yeah. See what he thinks of that strike 10 miles from the Polish border. So the big quit has been going on. The great resignation, some people call it. More people leaving their jobs than anybody has ever done, thought of doing ever in the history of the world. It's uh, it's really something. I think it speaks somewhat to the very uh, small holes in our social safety net that people are so comfortable with quitting their jobs. But anyway, what's the number one reason people quit? I'll bet you can guess pretty quickly. They don't like their job. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make their heart sing. Yes, exactly, Michael. They quit because it doesn't make their heart sing. Well, I'll work up from the bottom. 20% of people quit because they work too many hours. Then it goes up to benefits not good, hours not flexible enough, child care issues, felt disrespected. 
Hmm. You've had jobs where you didn't feel disrespected? Where, where did you find that job? Planet Unicorn? I thought that's what a job was. You go in and get disrespected, and then they give you a paycheck. <laughs> that's beautiful. Number two on the list, no room to advance. Sure. But number one, obviously, pay too low. I want more money. I want more money for this job. That has been proven by studies over and over. You can offer a gym or a better lunchroom or, you know, all kinds of different perks. You know what people want always? More money. <laughs> That's now, the I appreciate the, the gym and lunchroom and the fact that you respect all employees. Could I get another ten grand a year if you get to disrespect me? Because I could use the cash. <laughs> Uh, anyway, of course, that only works if you can find a job out there where it pays more. And apparently a lot of people have, I guess. But we have we have more job openings than we've ever had in our nation's history also. Yeah, I was just talking to a guy. I ran into him waiting for Chinese food takeout the other day, and he runs a car service. And, man, he's paying good for just local, like uh, you pick people up at the airport, you bring them over here, that sort of thing. And he just can't get people to drive for him or, or dispatchers. And this is... You know, it's not quite six figures, but uh, it's pretty good money for a very low-skill job, and he can't even get an application. Right. Just strange times. And and I said, how do you explain it? He said, I don't know, maybe the stimmy checks, but I don't know. What are people doing? Everybody that quit, what are you all doing? I mean, a lot. some of you took, you know, you got somebody who made $15 an hour quit to take the $30 an hour a job. Well, then the person who made $11 an hour quit and took the $15 job. I mean, I get that. There's a bit of musical chairs going on, but there's still more jobs opening, as I stated, than there have been in our nation's history. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast. Go to armstrongandgetty.com.